this might come across like I'm throwing uh, elementary school music programs under the bus. Um, and it, it, I am. Uh, <laughs> but it needs to be said, and I'm the brave man to say it. When you show up, any of us who are parents, when we show up to listen to our kids at an elementary school program, what we are doing there is not necessarily to enjoy the program. It's to endure the program. All right. I know it's hard to hear, but it has to be said. We are there to, to really endure it and, and to take pictures and videos of our kids that we will not look at after that night. That's, that's mostly what's going on, and that's why we're there. Um, that's what I was expecting at a recent elementary school program that my kids were doing. Um, that's, 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 I know, I've, I've been there. I've, I've been to a lot of them. Uh, I remember showing up uh, to this production. I looked over my program to figure out when my kid was going to go up on the stage. Pretty soon after that, I, I saw how many other people were going after my kid and tried to figure out if I could leave early. Right? That's, that's usually my plan. Um, so the time came. Uh, my kid's classroom came up to the stage. Uh, I prepared myself to, to smile as I listened to whatever, you know, miss place sounds would come out, right, from that stage. Um, but then, um, to my great surprise, it was actually decent. I mean, it was, it, was, it was good. This music director had pulled off the miracle. Somehow, he had brought these kids together and got them to connect with one another in a way that produced a song that I could recognize <laughs> that was, like, in, in tune. It was more than that. I, was, it, I enjoyed it. It was good. And it was accomplished not by each of these kids, like somehow he just made the kids sing the same key and, and all these kids having the same like vocal range or ability. Like these were vastly different kids. Clearly some were better than others. Uh, they weren't all singing one note, right? They, they, were, they were singing multiple notes in arrangements. And yet this director had got them to adjust to one another, to harmonize with each other such that they would sync up and produce this sound this song, a sound and song they could not do on their own, for sure, but as a sound and song that by coming together was better, really, than, than you would expect. It was a sound and song that was, was good, that was, that was beautiful, that might, at certain points, you might say was even glorious. It's a, I, use that, I tell that story as, as an illustration of what I believe Christian community is all about. And by Christian community, I mean really the local church. When you think about the, the, the purpose of community, the purpose of the local church, one way of expressing it is what we see in our passage this morning. Verse 6, uh, what can you say is our purpose? What's that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God saves people so that we might together glorify him. Not individually, together. Check that verse out again that together you all may with one voice glorify God. We are saved to not just be one individual that glorifies God. We are saved as a different individuals to come together as one community that with one voice gives glory to God. Understand the final picture in the Bible is not us individually having one-on-one -on -one relationships with God. We're not going to line up in front of God in heaven and have like one-on-one -on -one conversations with him. Like go on one-on-one -on -one dates with God. Like that's not what heaven is, right? Now, we sometimes live our faith as if basically it's just a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. But that's not the final picture in the Bible. The final picture in the Bible is us together with God. God with us, us with him, 
knowing him, enjoying him, celebrating him forever and ever, amen. That is the final picture in the Bible. And so what that means then for us, as we think of community, local community, the local church, what we're doing here, what we're saying is that we are intentionally choosing to be together in relationship with one another because we realize this is the only way we can fulfill the ultimate purpose for us. That we have to be in relationship with each other, have lives that are close enough in contact with one another so that we can begin to figure out how we can harmonize in such a way, harmonize our choices, our desires, our interests, our actions, so that as one community, as one church, we with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This, of course, picks up a theme that we've been seeing in the book of Romans. We've been in Romans for a, for a while now. You maybe got to stretch your mind back the, the number of years we've been in. But one of the things maybe you, hopefully you can pick up as we've been going through Romans is that Paul has been talking this whole time about Jews and Gentiles coming together, right? God choosing, electing Jews and Gentiles for himself, justifying them, sanctifying them so that together they might be one people of God. And Remember the immediate context of sort of the previous passages that John was looking at in, in previous Sundays. The immediate context is how working through this, this, this the fact that in churches there's going to be people with different consciences, different opinions. And yet here, and, and through those pa- the passages we just looked at, but then really then sort of summed up here in our passage, Paul is still saying even in those differences and in different consciences, we still must relate to one another in such a way that we can together glorify God. That even with all those different things going on, the point is always about God bringing Jew and Gentile, bringing all these people together so that as one community, we glorify God with one voice. All our different voices merging, syncing, harmonizing together, even in our differences, to glorify God in all the ways that we can. That's amazing if you think about that, that that's possible. You know, I've been in ministry a number of years, and I'm still amazed that you all show up on Sundays, <laughs> even after all these years. Um, you know, every Sunday, pretty much every Sunday, around 10 o'clock, I'm like, okay, is anyone going to show up? Uh, Roosevelt people tend to show up late, so that's a legitimate question for me often. I, I don't know, maybe this is not the, maybe this is the Sunday we were like, yeah, we're, we're done with this. But by 10.05, and for sure by 10.10, by 10, 10, <laughs> um, you're here. And, and, and why? When you eventually come here, why do you come? There's a lot of good reasons to come, but let me suggest one of the most important and ultimate reasons we come here is because it allows us to do something we cannot do apart. It allows us to fulfill a purpose that God has called us to as Christians, to find other Christians, be in a relationship with them close enough so that you can have a community that with one voice says, there is one God and he is glorious. He is great and awesome. It's the most wonderful and beautiful thing we can do together. Glorify God. Let me also just say, too, I mean, when we're talking about God, um, let me just be clear what, what I believe when I say we want to glorify God. There's, there's a notion, I think, that God is sort of this old man in the sky, right? And maybe you've gotten that suggestion from people that God is a sort of legalistic rule follower or God is a Republican, right, or, or God is, you know, uh, this activist, or God is, or we have all these different ideas of, of, of who God is and, and maybe ways in which we live out our faith suggest, well, this is who God is, and no wonder you don't believe in God. If God is that, this one thing that is someone's personal preference. When I talk about believing in God, 
what I'm talking about is believing in a God that's not just any God. This God is a glorious God. That's what Christianity is about. Not just God, but a glorious God. That every moment in this God's presence is more beautiful than all the sunrises and sunsets put together. That one moment in this God's presence is more awe-inspiring than the highest mountain and the grandest Grand Canyon. One moment in this God's presence is more refreshing than the coolest summer breeze. When we say God is glorious, I mean that. That he in his glory, as he shines out with the greatness and awesomeness of what he is, we are awed, inspired, captivated by how majestic and awesome and beautiful he is. That's the God I believe in, a glorious God. And what I believe, what others believe, what real Christians believe is that we are created to glorify that God. And when I say that again, to glorify it, to experience that, to, to step into that, to enjoy that. And it's to say that we can do that as individuals, but nowhere near how we can do that as a community. And that's actually our purpose. Not just as individuals to know this God and to enjoy this God in all the majestic power and might of who he is. It's to know this God and experience this God and proclaim the glory of this God and all his beauty and might and awe-spying, refreshing presence. It's to do that in connection, in connection with other people. Together with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. So that's what we're called to do. But to fulfill that purpose, we do need God's help. I mean, what I'm talking about here is, is, is hard to do. And so it's the next part of what I want to talk about this morning. So here's what we should be doing as Christians. Again, just keep in mind everything that came before this passage, all the different ways in which people have different consciences, and, and Paul's trying to say, here's how you can link up with one another. In summary, so this can happen. We can, with one voice, glorify God. But we need help to do that. So that brings up the next part of this passage I want to point out, the prayer that comes before this purpose. There's a way in which we need to pray to God to fulfill things in our lives so that we can fulfill this purpose. And here's a spoiler alert, God has already fulfilled this. So what's the prayer that goes behind the purpose that we just looked at? The prayer is verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Our purpose is verse 6, one voice glorify God. For that to happen, we pray verse 5. God will allow us to be in harmony with one another so that that can actually happen, right? Our strong temptation and inclination is to do life apart. We, we, it's to, to, to think of our own choices and decisions separate from other people, only in reference to ourselves. And I notice how this is especially true when we're in conflict or when we're going through difficulties. Um, I see it all the time, going through hard times or have some conflict with someone, and I call it take my ball and go home syndrome, right? It's, you know, whatever, I don't need you anyway. I didn't need anyone anyway. It's to sort of just sort of like a, a push everyone away, kind of like throw, the, you know, throw everything off the table type of instinct, what we have. Uh, and it especially comes out when we're in suffering, when we're in conflict. That's why then we need God's help. Given that instinct, that inclination, we have so often to do that, to sort of shove everyone away. What we need, if, we're gonna, if this purpose is to glorify God, the most 
that's, well, it is our purpose. If we're going to fulfill that, what we need is for God to help us then live in harmony so that we can accomplish that purpose. To live our lives in reference to each other. To find ways where, yes, when I think of my choices and desires and intentions, I think about it in reference to other people, not apart from other people. So we pray. What do we pray? We pray that God would be a God of endurance to us. Uh, it requires patience from us, doesn't it? It requires us not giving up. So we pray that God would be a God of endurance to us. For this to happen, well, we pray that God would be encouragement to us. So we got to pray that God would regularly remind us that it's possible for this to happen. For God to regularly stir our hearts and fill our memories with all the ways in which God can work such that we actually can accomplish the purpose he's called us to. And as we pray this, that God would be the God of endurance, that God would be a God of encouragement to us. As we pray this, you should know this works. God fulfills this type of prayer. God is able to bring us in harmony with one another. And the reason is because the last part of that prayer is something that God fulfills for us. We pray that God would be a God of endurance and encouragement to each other so we can be in harmony for that purpose of verse six. And it's because we know as we pray, what God has done is brought us in accord with Christ Jesus. Our purpose is accomplished because God has fulfilled, fulfills this prayer by lining us up with Jesus. If you've been to an orchestra concert, um, before they, they play the music, the orchestra comes out. Before they go into that first piece, uh, to pr- prayer for playing that piece, uh, the first chair violin will stand up and, and, and play a note. And as he or she plays that note, all the other musicians begin playing their instruments. And initially, it sounds like chaos. Right? Everyone's sort of playing. It sounds like they're randomly playing their instruments. Uh, but what's actually happening is they're, they're tuning their instruments to that first note, using that note to tune their instruments. And, and if you continue to listen carefully, you begin to see how they're harmonizing with each other so that when they start that music piece, they're playing together. They're playing as one. They're able to do the different parts that they need to to produce the music piece that they've come to prepare. Jesus is that note for us, isn't he? Jesus is the note that God uses to harmonize us. Jesus is the note God has sent, and he rings it loud and clear in this universe so that when he looks at this world and when we look at our world, we see people whose lives and preferences would normally clash with one another. It wouldn't work. But God tunes us to Jesus so that we, instead of clashing with one another, can unite together and have lives that are in harmony with each other. And they're in harmony with each other because we're in tune with Jesus. We're in accord with Christ Jesus. Jesus is the reason we can be united together and have lives that sing with one voice the glories of God. It's very hard to live in harmony with each other. But that's why we have the note, Jesus. The note that syncs us first to him, and because we're synced to Jesus, we're synced with one another, right? Here's Jesus, we come to him, and it positions us to then be together in him with each other. That's why I said this is a prayer that God already fulfills, right? Because it's past tense. God has already sent Jesus. We're not waiting for Jesus. He's already sent Jesus. The note that is Jesus is already sounding loud and clear in this universe. And so 
If we turn to Jesus in faith, if we believe in Jesus, if we bring our lives into Jesus, we are instantly brought into relationship with Jesus. Again, think, if this is Jesus, and imagine there's all these people scattered around him, separate from one another, if you tune your life to Christ, guess what? And other people are doing the same thing. You're going to be in the same space with them. And that positions you then to accomplish what we've been talking about, to be able to then figure out what it is to have harmony with one another. And you're already all the, almost halfway there, more than halfway there, because you found the same space, the same place. You found Jesus. You've been brought in accord with Christ. To be in Jesus instantly brings us close to each other. And to be close to each other then allows us to think about how we might then sing with one voice the glories of God in Christ. That leads us to the last part of this passage. Um, now that God has brought us together in Jesus, uh, we have to figure out then how we actively maintain and sustain what God has already accomplished. So here's our purpose. One voice, proclaim the glories of God. Here's the prayer that God fulfills. He grants us to live in harmony in accord with Christ. The last part of this I want to say here is then here's how we practice this. Here's how we practice it. Here's how we live this out. If our purpose is this and the prayer God fulfills is this, then here's what it looks like to maintain and sustain what God has sort of set up for us to do. What we do is act like Jesus towards each other. So verse 6, verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. To glorify God together in Christ, having been brought together in Christ through God harmonizing us to him, for that to happen and it was the therefore, for this to happen, here's therefore what we have to do. Here's how we actively practice this. We welcome one another like Christ. So that phrase, welcome one another, is the sense of receiving someone, uh, taking someone to yourself, pulling them towards you, accepting them into your life. You doing it to them and them doing it to you. This idea of sort of like wholehearted embrace and acceptance. We glorify God together when we do that. When we welcome one another with this kind of wholehearted embrace. When you welcome other people in a way that, that pulls them to you, in the same way they're doing the same thing. You're, you're doing that to them, and they're doing that to you. That's this idea of welcoming one another. But notice the second part. There's a way in which we're to do it, which makes sense. If we're in accord with Christ, how we practice that accord with Christ is by being like Christ to each other. And specifically by being like Christ in the way that he welcomed us. So the Bible says here, for us to accomplish that purpose, you got to welcome one another, but do it this way. Welcome one another like Jesus did, which then makes us ask that very practical and important question. Is it worth us then asking, how did Christ welcome us? The more we understand how Christ has welcomed us, the same way you will understand how Christ, well, the same way you understand how Christ has welcomed us, then you'll understand how we are to welcome one another, how we are to relate to one another. The welcome of Christ then gets mirrored in our welcome of each other. So, what did Christ do? How did Christ welcome you? Well, he welcomes you with grace. Think about what Christ has done. He shows generous favor to you that you can't pay or earn, that you don't deserve, yet he shows it to you. That's how Christ welcomes you. Christ welcomes you with love. The welcome of Christ is a love that's unconditional and sacrificial. Christ welcomes you with intention, that Jesus on purpose enters into your life, finds you in your darkest spots, finds you chained to, in slavery to sin, and he breaks you free. 
He pulls you into his brace even as you continue to say, I don't want you, I reject you. Even, in our, even when we're enemies of God, we're told. Christ still moves towards us. And creates a way for us to find God because he acts and welcomes towards us. You know, we often talk, we often talk about what the gospel is, and, and rightly so. Like, we, we need clear definitions of the gospel. But I think another question that's also worth asking is, how does the gospel feel like? Right, so here's what the gospel is, here's the clear definitions, but also maybe helping people understand what does the gospel feel like if you understand what it is. And so, what does the gospel feel like? Well, here's one answer. The gospel feels like Jesus welcoming you. The gospel feels like Jesus welcoming you. The gospel feels like Jesus opening the door the instant you step in front of it. Throwing it open, and his arms are open wide. And he's like, bro, sis, I've been waiting for you. The gospel feels like you... The instant you turn toward Jesus, Jesus pulls you into his embrace and you are flooded with his warmth and his care and his love and his power for you. The gospel feels like knowing that no matter how far away you've been away from home, how long you've been away from home, the gospel feels like knowing that instant you come back through that door, there is a place at the family table for you. And it's right next to Jesus. Jesus is like, no, don't sit on the other end of the table. You sit right next to me. Let, let's, let's get this right. That's what the gospel feels like. This is the emotional heart of the gospel. It's the fact that Christ welcomes us. He welcomes us into his embrace, into his love, into his care. It's Jesus, knowing that Jesus never gets tired of you, never says, ah, this is too much. We, we spend too much time together. I, I, need my, I need personal space. It's Jesus never saying, I don't need you. I'm a whatever, I don't care about you. It's knowing that Jesus is always looking for you and will find you and will welcome you. Will welcome you into his embrace and insist that you never leave it. This is how Christ has welcomed us. That's what it feels like to believe in the gospel. Christ has welcomed you. And that, church, is how we welcome one another. In that same way. This is how we fulfill that purpose, right? I mean, that's a big purpose, glorify God together. But here's what it actually looks like, a people who are always walking one another and walking one another in that way, the same way Jesus has done towards you. Again, let's, let's remember the previous passages that we looked at. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and, and one of the issues is that these are people with a lot of differences, different consciences and different opinions, and they're strongly held opinions. And the Bible does not say, well, there's, churches shouldn't have differences or have different opinions. It does not say that. Right? Let me say that again. The Bible does not say churches need to be a space, space where everyone has the exact right opinion on a whole range of things. The whole same opinion on a whole range of things. The previous passage shows that there will be differences and, and in fact, expects that there will be differences. Differences that are held strongly even. And so, how do we figure this out? How do we figure out what community and relationship look like with each other, even with those differences? How does it happen? How do we come together to glorify God, even in those differences? Here's how. 
It's by the fact that we are in Jesus, and together in Jesus, we're going to act like Jesus towards each other. We're going to welcome one another like Christ has welcomed us. That is how God has figured it out for us. God has figured out for us not by eliminating our differences, by showing us how we might work through those differences and the practice we need to work through those differences. It's that welcome, a welcome that's modeled and based in Jesus himself. And when we do that, that's where the glory comes in. That's where you begin to experience the might and awesome and beauty of God when you are moving towards each other like Jesus. Again, these are all tied together. And so if this is our purpose and our purpose is done by welcoming each other like Christ has welcomed us, well, then you're beginning to experience something you can't experience anywhere else, the very glories of God. Do you see it? Do you see it when you're, when you're actively involved in this type of welcome and receiving this type of welcome, you're experiencing heaven. You're experiencing the very glories of God, the greatness and awesome of God. See, Roosevelt, here is the glory of God. It's me walking in this building and someone is far away on the other side of the sanctuary. And they're like, what's up, Vermont? I mean, like they see me and they notice me. <laughs> right? It's me walking across this, this, this sanctuary and two or three people like, instantly hug me. They're like, it's been too long since we've seen each other. I know it's been last Sunday, but man, I'm, I'm glad to see you. <laughs> it's me walking down the hallway and maybe someone puts a hand in their back and remembers that I talked about this pain I had in my left arm and saying, how are you doing? I've been praying for you. That's the glory of God right there. That's something heavenly, that type of care and notice of one another. This is the glory of God. It's people making plans to be together after lunch today. It's people saying, let's get together and study the Bible and pray together uh, maybe once a month, maybe once a week. This is the glory of God. It's people messing up, but yet making sure they have relationships with each other where other people can call them on it. Where they have people in their lives who can be like, yo, you're out of pocket, right? You, have, you need to have people in your life who will tell you you're out of pocket, right? And for you to be able to hear that and receive that, to have relationships where people will call you out for the things they need to, but at the same time say, here's what confession and repentance and restoration looks like. It's not just one, it's the whole thing because we value relationship with each other. That's the glory of God, where we can mess up and still be in relationship with each other. Here is the glory of God. It's two people who have, I don't know, some type of argument online, maybe it's over politics, race, stupid COVID, whatever, right? They're having some type of argument online and they say, we need to talk in person. And they talk in person multiple times over multiple months, maybe even over years. And they do it because they believe it can be worked out. They do it because they believe that they're in accord with Christ Jesus and they believe because they're in the same space, the grace of God and the love of God and the, and the, and the power of God, the grace and love and power of God in Jesus is sufficient as they lean into that and into the truths of the Bible, that will cause something to happen where maybe one changes or the other changes or maybe both need to change how they view these things. But they believe in that and they press into that. That is glorious. That is a picture of what God is accomplishing. It's a picture, it's a, it's a signpost to what heaven will be like. Where heaven is a space where like all those things actually instantly dissolve away and we're beginning to practice how we're going to get there. We're beginning to actually live out, I should say, how we're going to get there. I want you to understand there's nothing, nothing in the world, nothing in human history that's really like this. Nothing. 
You can, um, you can call me on this. Check it out. <laughs> we're, we're talking about people with differences, even major differences, finding a way to one another over and over and over again. Finding a way to one another because they have a shared belief in a glorious God, a shared location. They're in Christ Jesus and a shared practice, treating each other, welcoming each other like Christ has welcomed them. Now, to our shame, uh, people today do not experience this heavenly reality a lot from Christians. To our shame. No wonder, like people today, if you look at statistics, more and more people, more and more people don't believe in God. Many of them are own children, right? And, and no wonder, I mean, they see the world around them, they see what's online, and what they see from Christians is Christians being rude, mean, power obsessed. They see Christians being slanderous, abusive, not a little bit prejudiced. They're seeing Christians be all these different things, and like, yeah, that's, that's why, there is no God if that is what it is, if that's what the practice of Christians looks like, if that's what it is. That's not a glorious reality. That's like a, it's the world reality, and we're just like everyone else. That's, that's to our shame. But it doesn't have to stay that way. Let's remember, this week we celebrate a risen Jesus. A risen Jesus, not a dead Jesus, a risen Jesus. That means he is alive and well, and that means that note, the note of Jesus, sounds as loudly and clearly as ever before because it's coming from someone who's alive and reigning from the throne right now. Jesus continues to sing out in this world, and the way back is for us to hear that note, to hear more of Jesus as we begin to think we're about to say to someone, to hear more of Jesus, what we think as we see someone, to think more of Jesus as we step into relationship with other people. And as we do that, as we think more of Jesus and act more like Jesus and welcoming each other like Jesus, it harmonizes us with each other and leads us back to God and leads us back to his glory. That blesses us for sure, but then it blesses everyone else, doesn't it? Everyone else who finally gets to see and experience something they don't expect. It's just like me showing up at a Children's elementary school music production. I don't expect much. <laughs> Most people, when they step into a place or community where they know there's going to be a lot of differences, a lot of opinions, they're not expecting much. They're expecting, I mean, go to a city council meeting, right? <laughs> they're expecting something like that. People yelling, people, you know, upset, uh, discord, right? That's what most people expect. But what a wonderful and glorious thing is instead people step into a space, into community where they know there are differences, even strong differences, and yet they still see people welcoming one another. We shouldn't be surprised what happens as a result. Because what they'll see and experience is something unlike anything else. Something beautiful, majestic, something glorious. And the expect of the prayer, of course is that in the same way God has tuned us to the one who has made that possible, God would tune them as well. Let's pray that uh, there be more harmonies from the church, more harmonies found in Christ because we are singing together in Jesus as we welcome one another in him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time and for Jesus. Um, thank you for what you have accomplished in and through him. Uh, Lord, I confess how often um, things upset me, uh, things drive me crazy, <laughs> um, and it lowers my ex expectation often of what is possible for relationships. Um, but Lord, uh, you don't live in those categories. 
And thank you, for Lord, you're not like that. And Lord, uh, because of what you have set up for us, Lord, it's possible for us then, Lord, to, um, Lord, to worship you in this way, to worship you through our voices as we sing, to worship you through the lives that we live and in relationship with each other, to worship you in the things we do and how we serve in this city. Um, if that all that's possible because you sent Jesus, and it's in him, Lord, we find, um, uh, we find the glories of God. The glories of God because, Lord, you have remade us like Christ so we can act like Christ to each other. Uh, Lord, uh, simple, basic thing to talk about, Lord, but very hard to do. And so, Lord, help us to go through the things that we need to do, to confess, to, to pray, um, and to, to, to make decisions, Lord, that say, this is a purpose that is worth giving my life to. Um, Lord, I pray for those, Lord, who don't believe in God, who struggle, who aren't sure. Um, at the very least, Lord, clarify what God, who God actually is, who you really are. Um, sadly, Lord, we've, we've fallen for bad substitutes, and no wonder we're divided, uh, and no wonder we're apart, and no wonder we struggle. But the more we get a clear picture of you, the glorious God in Christ Jesus, uh, Lord, the more at least some things begin to make sense. And so, Lord, give everyone here the clearest picture possible, and we trust you with the results. It's your name we pray. Amen.